right. Good evening. Today is November 1st, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter or step is Appendix 2, and our speaker tonight is Kim G. Thank you, Kim G. Thank you, Melissa, and thanks, everyone, for inviting me here tonight. I'm excited to talk about the spiritual experience. Uh, my name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey Intergroup, which is right outside Philadelphia. I've been in OA since 1994, and I've been recovered and abstinent since uh, January 2011, so you see there's a big gap there. And I really attribute that to the fact that I didn't seek a spiritual experience. You know, I disrespected a 12-step program by treating it only as a diet program with group support. I disrespected a 12-step program by treating it like a tools-only program. And when I said I was working my program, what I really meant was I was working people's opinions and slogans. And because of that, I didn't understand that the whole goal of a 12-step program is to work the 12 steps in order, entirely abstinent, so that at step 11, I can have a spiritual awakening, a spiritual experience. Um, so I love the appendix. What I personally love too, is I love the humility of the founders when they got feedback saying, the spiritual experience thing confuses us. And, and if we go to page 567, it talks about that. It says, second paragraph, yet it is true that our first printing gave us many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experience must be in the nature of a sudden and spectacular upheaval. So people were saying, I'm not having the white light experience I see in Bill's story, or I'm not having that falling off the bed experience of alcoholic number three, or I'm not locked Dr. Bob, Jersey reference, when he got worked through partway through the steps and then got drunk in Atlantic City. And because of that came back and he worked the rest of the steps and never drank again, um, that everyone thinks it had to happen suddenly. And I'm so grateful that they were willing to be humble enough to say, let's clarify this. So what is a spiritual experience? It says a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested. What does that look like? To me, those are those 10 step promises. Um, so again, first 17 years, I, and just to qualify too, my top weight was a size 24, where I went to the doctor because I wasn't feeling well. My diagnosis was morbid obesity. I've also been in the rooms of OA, dieting with group support, where I got down to a size two and I lost my menstrual cycle and my hair was falling out. And I came into OA because, the, because I thought the problem was I was fat and I was taught bulimia in college. So I became the size I am now, which is a size 10, binging and purging and over-exercising. So I never found um, peace just because my body size was changing. So what did that look like when I was not seeking a spiritual experience? You know, that when I was doing a tools only program, if I can do that and be happy, then I'm not the compulsive overreader of the type described in the book. So what is the type of, why do I need that spiritual experience? Because I have two qualities. I have this allergy of the body, which means when I ingest certain foods, ingredients or substances or behaviors, I have what's called a phenomenon of craving that intensifies and doesn't satisfy, that that first bite asks for the second bite, the second bite asks for the third bite, and the third bite demands the fourth bite. And that happens regardless of how it's ingested. I always love when people tell me they can have something in a restaurant, but not at home, 
Or, you know, I even hear people share in meetings and say, well, I can have it on vacation. I just can't have it at home. Or like it matters whether it's in the shape of a cupcake or a whole wheat organic muffin. My body doesn't care and doesn't differentiate that. It has an allergic reaction and I have to fully concede that to my innermost self, which means I can never, ever, ever have them again. But again, if that was my only problem, I don't need a spiritual experience. What I need is to be locked away until that allergic reaction isn't happening, which most rehabs will do. They could sit me down. I'm a kid of the 80s. I think Nancy Reagan could have helped me and told me just to say no. But the problem is I have this mental twist. I have this inability to get comfortable when I'm abstinent. I get restless. I get irritable. I get discontent. And that is an intolerable situation. And when I'm in that intolerable situation, I have two alternatives. I'm either going to blot out the consciousness, which means I'm going to pick up the food again, and that allergy is going to be there, and I'm going to be binging my brains out. Or I'm going to seek spiritual help, which means work these 12 steps. So working these 12 steps is what gets me that spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, not as the result of meetings, not as a result of getting the cool sponsor, not as a result of getting the perfect food plan. Again, if I am, if I can just avoid people, places, and things and be happy, I don't need Overeaters Anonymous. If I can just use halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and, and be happy doing that, I don't need Overeaters Anonymous. You know, when we talk about avoiding your triggers, I only have one trigger. It's being awake. And if I'm awake and I'm untreated, there's a pretty damn good chance that I'm, that I'm going to eat again. I heard it said beautifully in an AA meeting recently where, or a podcast where the girl said, step one, is it that I can't drink? Step one is I'm going to drink on my own power. So I need to find a power greater than myself that's going to solve my problem. And my problem, again, is not the allergy. I've been, I've been abstinent for 12 and a half years. I am not treating the allergy anymore. What I'm treating is the mental twist that will drive me back to the, to the food because that allergy will always be there. And I love how it says here, personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. You know, I think to myself, um, I remember being in a, in a, after a phone meeting and a woman identified herself as recovered. And then she said she found the solution was they had a lockbox in the house and only her husband had the key. And that's where all her binge foods were. And I just felt so sorry for the newcomers in the meeting that thought that that was recovery. Because let me tell you, yesterday was Halloween. Oh, here's my foster dog. Sorry, guys. Um, yesterday was Halloween. I had to ask someone because I literally had Halloween candy left over from last year. And I didn't know if it went bad because I had forgotten about it. Right. November 1st, I don't know how many of you are like this, but I was good girl on Halloween and November 1st when the candy went on 50%. That was when I went absolutely went crazy. So that is not recovery to one day at a time, white knucklehead. You don't need to settle for that. I beg you not to settle for that. What it means to have a spirit, sorry for the talk, but a spiritual awakening um, is those 10 step promises that I am neither cocky nor I'm afraid. I am in a position of neutrality. I feel safe and protected. I do not have to avoid these people, places and things and things like that. Um, and I, one of the lines here I love a lot too, it says at the bottom of, of 567, it says what often takes place in a few months 
could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. So again, that's what I practice. Again, I could stay abstinent on tools and miserable. And miserable. Not tools and happy, but tools and miserable. One day at a time. I had six years in the 90s, whereas one day at a time. Tomorrow I'm going to have a bagel, but not today. Tomorrow I can have a bagel, but not today. Tomorrow I can have a bagel, but not today. It was torture. Let me tell you, I've had 12 and a half years of contented abstinence, a connection with power that I can get comfortable in my abstinence so I do not need to treat my illness with, with food. I remember an AA speaker saying that um, my that what I suffer from is alcoholism and the only treatment I've ever known was alcohol. And that to me, I am not an alcoholic. I honestly have never even seen heroin, but I love going to AA meetings and I love going to NA meetings. Why? Because when an alcoholic talks about how they feel when they're not drinking is exactly how I feel when I'm not eating. When a heroin addict talks about how they feel when they're not shooting up, exactly how I feel when I'm not eating. And what treats that, again, is not abstinence. What treats that is that spiritual awakening. What does that mean? Just a quick synopsis. Again, my prejudices. I thought step three was you turned it over, which meant to me, God was Santa Claus. I'm going to give him a laundry list of things I would like him to accomplish today and in what order and with what people. And if he did what I wanted to, great. If he didn't, I would take my will back. And what I realized now, that was playing God. That wasn't seeking God, whatever that God is to you. What step three is, let me look at what life is like when Kim's in charge, when I don't have a connection with power. And for me personally, it's a shit show. So what I do in step three is I make a decision to learn a new way of life. Just as if I wanted to go to, you know, I decide to be a nurse just because I decide to be a nurse doesn't mean I'm a nurse. I need to go to school. So what is school? What is that skill set? It's four through nine. I do an inventory. I tell another person about that inventory. I recognize my defects in six and seven. I make amends in eight and nine. That unblocks me. I remember an AA mentor of mine says that the steps are not addition, they're subtraction. I have to remove those blocks. And once I get into step 10 and those blocks are removed, what happens is I now have a skill set for life to turn it over. That's actually when I turn it over. And that's the spiritual waking because I now have a connection to that power. But unfortunately, I have a disease that that connection doesn't last if I'm not doing the work. This was another misnomer I had about this spiritual awakening, spiritual experience. I, I This is the way I, I think about it. I'm, I'm the kind of kid in high school, I get the book homework assignment for to do a book report on War and Peace. I don't want to read War and Peace. So I buy the cliff notes, do the book report, and I get pissed off because I get a C. Because I didn't read the damn book. And that's what I did for many years. I would read the steps on the wall and I wouldn't read the book that told me what the steps actually meant. So again, I would read prayer meditation. I'm a Catholic school kid. I know how to pray. But what I found out was that Mary had a little lamb and Hail Mary full of grace were just words that I had memorized as a kid. I had no connection to that. I had a lot of beliefs but they weren't sufficient to bring about this personality change. So I can have a lot of spiritual practices. I have, a, if you want to hear some cool spiritual practices, give me a call. I have a lot of cool spiritual practices, 
But what I recognize as an addict is my brain is wired differently. And I need to do these steps to have that spiritual awakening. So I'm connected so I can enjoy those others, those other practices that my 10 and 11, my, my inventory work is my skeleton that keeps me strong or keeps me connected so that when I do these other practices, I can connect them. I remember having a sponsee that we both do the same spiritual practice and she picked up and she's, she was baffled. She's like, Kim, I'm getting so much out of this spiritual practice. I don't get it. I said, well, let's look back. Cause when someone picks up, I never asked them what happened that day. What I say is let's talk about what happened two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And what we discovered was she was enjoying this spiritual practice so much. She stopped doing 10 and 11. So when she stopped the inventory process, she got blocked and she couldn't connect to the other work and she needed relief. The only relief she could find was to, was, was to eat again. And that's why I love those, those warnings in step 10. It's easy to let up on the spiritual practice. You know, it's easy. It, it, it's it's um, that we have a daily reprieve. That's personally that I think that's one of the things that all 12 step programs have is that we have watered down one day at a time to one day at a time, white knuckling our food. The big book does, doesn't talk about that at all. It talks about, are you done? Are you licked? No reservations, no lurking notions. There's no one day at a time when it comes to the food. That's why you're going to have to do it, but they're not asking you if you're willing to do that. The first time they talk about one day at a time is actually in step 10. And it's because I kind of consider myself like Cinderella. See, because of the spiritual awakening, I get to go to the ball. But what happens is I come home from that ball and my dress turns to rags and the carriage turns to the pumpkin and the groomsman turns to mice. And I wake up every morning an untreated compulsive overeater. But I'm not cocky or afraid. Why? Because I have a treatment and I get to go to the ball every single day as long as I'm doing this work. So let me tell you, if you ask me, Kim, how are you doing today? I would tell you I'm grounded and I'm peaceful. But if you ask me, Kim, what is going on in your life today? You would think I was climbing up the walls. You can see this foster dog jumping up and down on me. She's kind of, he's, she's kind of, he's kind of, he's kind of challenging. I have a, a job that, that is, that's really stressful in the, you know, God has, has arranged it beautifully, but it's challenging coming out of the pandemic. My parents weren't, I'm like, what happened to you during the pandemic? They, they, my dad was falling. My mom's memory was going. My, the house next door to me had been boarded up for five years because my neighbor fell asleep smoking. And during the pandemic, that house was flipped and my parents were able to move in next door. Well, let me tell you, they got in there in the nick of time. My mom has, has no short-term memory at all. And my father, the athlete in my family, we found out he has Parkinson's and he is now bedridden. Every day I have to crush his crush his pills. We just had to start. He's been in and out of the hospital and out of rehab the last six months. It's He's probably in the last year of his life. And every day I have to pray. I call this my Goldilocks prayers. Am I, am I doing too much or am I doing too little? Am I pushing too hard? Am I not pushing enough? And in the midst of this too, I am a woman who's never been married, does not have children. And when I first started seeing issues with, with my dad, I have a 50 year old brother that's learning disabled that my dad's always taking care of everything. He couldn't handle the money. That was my first thing that I thought something's wrong with my dad if he can't handle the money. I'm now power of attorney for him. 
and he's a non-compliant diabetic. I feel like I got a nursing degree trying to figure him stuff out. I then and then my now I'm the power of attorney for all my mom and my dad. I take all care of all the finances. Last time they got um taken, and in fact, I was teasing my father because I actually did go to nursing school and I failed out my junior year. And my I keep telling I was teasing my dad. I said, Are you trying to get your money back for the fact you paid for nursing school for three years and I never finished? Because when he was discharged, he came home with an IV antibiotic and the nurse had to teach me how to administer this IV, IV antibiotic twice a day. It is, it, it is amazing that I am doing this gratefully and peacefully. And I tell my dad this all the time. My dad's father died when he was 25. And my dad's like, I'm a burden. I'm such a problem. And I said, dad, you would kill to have taken care of your father the way I get to take care of you. And he just starts crying. He goes, I would have killed to take care of my dad like this. So I am grateful that I can do this, but I got to tell you, it's challenging. If I didn't have a spiritual life. And also the thing is, I have to tell you when people say, you know, the recovery is too much work. I challenge you write down what your disease is required of you every day. Believe me, the easier, softer way is doing the steps. I can accomplish more in one day than I used to accomplish in, in, in five years. Again, miracle. During the pandemic, I got laid off when I'm trying to help my parents sell their house. And not just I got laid off, Every I'm in accounting. Every accounting person was laid off nationally. They were creating a fi finance department instead. I applied for the job, I didn't get it. I was given four months and then I was gonna get a nine month severance. I'm doing my 10 and 11 spiritual work because I was pissed off. They were not handling it well. But I have an ideal of who I am as an employee. So I was going to act that way regardless of how anyone was there. I had to train the person that was replacing me. But I had accepted it because my parents bought, got the house and I was going to be laid off just at the time they were buying the house. Good, I'm going to have that extra time. And then three weeks before my last day, they post my dream position in my corporate office in Atlanta, which I would never have gone for because I am not moving out of Jersey. And they posted it remotely for the first time. And I got that job. And let me tell you, my dad would be in a nursing home if I wasn't working from home. The fact that I can go over there and give his meds or go over there when he's slipping out of the chair is the only reason that man's not in a nursing home. And what I know today is the best gift I can give my father, my mother, that annoying dog that keeps jumping up on my lap, the best gift I can give all of them is to put my recovery above them because I am useless without the spiritual awakening. This spiritual awakening is the gift that I give to every person I have today. And let me tell you, abstinence never gave me that. I'm the kind of person when I'm abstinent, people throw candy bars at me to shut me the hell up because I am nasty. I am, I am just a jerk when I'm, when I'm, when I'm being abstinent. So I'm so grateful that 12 and a half years ago, what happened was life had become impossible and I wanted recovery just a smidge more than I wanted the food. And that brought my journey, put the food down 100% entire abstinence, yellow foods are bullshit. See, a food either creates a phenomenon of craving or it doesn't. Don't torture yourself by trying to wean yourself off. Put it down, work the steps, have a spiritual awakening. Because I thought the 12 steps promised me that one day at a time I could be busy. 
enough and I could be distracted enough to be abstinent one more day. And what I realize now, especially from this page 567, is what the 12 steps offer me is if I put down the food and walk through the steps, I no longer want that food. That I can have still have extra Halloween candy and could care less whether I have that. November 1st was a bigger holiday than Halloween. February 15th was a bigger holiday than Valentine's Day because I would be a good girl and I would binge the next day. Today, I, I, I can be of service. I don't know if you know this, but kids wear costumes during Halloween. Never noticed that till I have re recovered because it was always those kids knocking at my door, stealing my candy. Today, I get to enjoy their costumes and their parents' costumes. So with that, thank you very much for asking me to share. Kim, thank you so much. That was fabulous. I'm so glad I got to be here for this and I will absolutely listen again to take more notes. Anyway, uh, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares as this is a big book study. Sharing in questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raise hands in order and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Will the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Um, let's see, okay, we have, it looks like Chanel, you're first. Great. Hi, I'm Chanel. I'm a grateful compulsive eater starting my timer there. And uh, oh, wow. Kim, you were on fire. So first I need to see the dog. I'm sorry, but I just, I need to see the dog. Yeah, it's too bad he's not cute or loved. Anyway, he's uh, really got it rough in your house, I can tell. So, you know, I can I can hear your passion for this appendix. And I think that it is one of the most neglected things in the book. And um, I can't wait to refer sponsees going through the steps to this recording. I can't wait for it. And um, when you have someone going through the steps and she, he said, you know, they say, you know what? I, I can, I, I just, I can't, I can't do this God thing. I can't which happened with for me recently. And I had something I said, but I'm just curious what you would say to someone in that who says, you know, I just, I can't, I've had such a bad experience and I can't. Thank you. Well, well, first of all, ironically, I think people who have religious backgrounds have a harder time than atheists because there are a lot of prejudices that they have to overcome, but I tell them not to worry about it. You know, step two is just, do I need a power? If I could find a power in step two, then we wouldn't need the rest of the steps. We could just have a pamphlet. So just go through the work and let and, and see what experience that you have. I just tell people to chill out. Just chill out. You don't know what it's going to look like on the other side. You don't need to know what it looks like on the other side. The, the power power I had 12 and a half years ago is very different than the one I have now. And I hope it's very different 12 and a half years from now. So I just tell people not to sweat it. Thank you. Um, Julie A.G., you're up next. Okay. Yep, wait a minute.
And I'm sorry. Am I unmuted? Hello? Oh, okay. You cool. are. Okay. Got a little confused there. So, anyways, I'm Julie A.G., a seriously compulsive overeater, and you were absolutely amazing, Kim, and your energy uh, going through all that you went through, and it was just like, wow, you know, and for me, it was just so encouraging and very much, man, I need to do that too, you know, and I, I know that when you do have that whole spiritual experience, God does give you peace and rest. He gives you what you need. He gives you what you need to survive, to move on, to put the food down and work the steps. And I am very thankful that I am back in OA. And yes, very thankful to hear all you wonderful speakers that share your strengths and hopes and experiences, because without it, it's very difficult. You know, we all need to hear that we're not in this boat by ourselves. And, you know, once we put the food down and we can handle food neutrality, that's the most one of the amazing things I have ever done in my life is actually have food neutrality. Like you say, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, my favorite chocolate or, you know, uh, bagel and cream cheese. And I'll tell you what, I love the fact that you said my one trigger is when I wake up. That is flipping awesome. <laughs> and uh, so thank you so much for, you know, your great share. And with that, I pass. All right. Thank you, Julie. And our next share is Leslie G. Hi, family. I'm Leslie G here, recovering just one day at a time. Um, Kim, thank you so, so much. Um, I don't have a whole bunch to say. I mean, I loved your share. I mean, oh my gosh, I thank you. And just always love when you talk, actually, because you talk words that I need to hear. And my soul really hears them. But I want to be the advocate for those who are still having challenges with staying abstinent. And um, I'll be honest, I, I didn't want to leave the house today. Because it's, you know, I've, all the Halloween candy is 50% off. Well, not all of it, but, you know, basically. And I'm like, I, blah, 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 blah. And I was so fearful. And I just started remembering the program and praying a little bit to God. I'm not praying enough to God. I, I need to own that. Um, and thank you for the wonderful, sweetheart person who said, you're not asking God enough for help. You keep doing it yourself. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're right. But anyway, the point being is that when I was driving in my car and I finally did get out of the house because I was so scared, you know, face everything and recover. And, you know, it was like, okay, God, you know, and I was just like, I just kept God with me, you know. And I'm like, I'm not stopping and I'm going home and everything's going to be okay. You know, it's just, it, there was such a change. It's just, I am just truly amazed 
is when I start making outreach calls or doing a 10th or whatever, and then going to try to help other people um, to be of help. And um, I look forward to listening to this again. Thank you, everyone. Hey, thank you, uh, Maureen. Oh, you are next. Hi, everybody. I'm Maureen in New Jersey. Uh, I'm a compulsive overeater. Thanks so much, Kim. That was that was a great lead. It was um, uh, you touched upon so many things that are you know clarified so many things. It was just great to hear you go through that um, part of the book and. Um, yeah, you know, just even starting from uh, when you were talking about that this is this is about giving away things, you know, basically. Um, I also noticed that in, you know, clearing the wreckage of the past that I've become more of who I am and who I'm supposed to be. You know, this is this is about a spiritual experience. And, you know, uh, the big book doesn't tell us basically how to quit eating, but it, you know, the whole idea is to find your higher power, have a relationship with your higher power. But the other thing that uh, I was reminded of, you know, with, with this part of the book is, you know, a lot of times people think um, we're always looking for the burning bush and most of us get the smoke and twig, you know, and it's like, <laughs> even that is just, is so great compared to what I used to have, you know, uh, I'll take it, I'll take it. But um, I don't have a lot to say. I just wanted to thank you for being here tonight and sharing um, all that you had to say. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Maureen. Um, Hannah B., you're up next. Hi, Hannah B., Compulsive Eater. Thank you, Kim. Hi, everybody. Um, so I loved everything you said. <laughs> um, thank you. And the, I should have written it down because I've forgotten a lot of it because I seem to forget a lot of things lately. There's just only so much room in my brain. Um, but I know that it's like imprinted in there because it resonated deeply. Um, you talked about removing the blocks and not adding, but subtracting, you know, and I, I love that because for so long, I was like, just trying to put more in, put more in, but there was like all this toxicity that, and I needed to empty. I needed to empty before I could receive. I needed to like make space, you know, and I still do. Um, and just keeping current with that. And I guess my question is like the thing that's coming up right now is about sponsorship and like, I know that when I'm like crossing that line and I'm like going on to their side of the street, I, I know that that means I've, I've gone too far. Like I'm supposed to stay on my side of the street, like, and I don't want to, and you've talked about not fostering codependency as well with your sponsees. And I'm, and I really want to be very mindful of that because that's an old pattern for me, but like, like at what point when you start to sense and notice like how, I don't know, like how, how fast or how quickly are you like, do you just, I don't know, like if somebody's not showing up or they're starting to balk at some point in the work and you kind of have a conversation with them and then it's still kind of happening, but there's like these excuses, you know, it's like, how fast are you to remove yourself from that 
interaction where it's like, you're trying, you know, or cause it's not supposed to be like, I'm not supposed to be working harder than they are, you know? Um, I think that's my question. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that's a big question. I think, give me a call. I think it'd be easier, but um, just, <laughs> just, in, just in general, the question I always ask in prayer is, can I be useful to this person? Because sometimes you can't, you just can't be useful. And if the, I consider myself a teacher, like the book tells me that we need to teach the book. And if they're not interested in, in learning, then I don't have time for that. And there's too many people out there suffering. So depending on how you sponsor, if you give assignments and they're not doing the assignments, tell them to call you back when they do the assignment and you're going to find someone else to work with, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, my opinion, but we have a very low recovery rate in, in a way. There's plenty of people out there that need help. The 5% of us are trying to sponsor the 95% of us. So if someone, you know, read that, read page 95, it tells you if they're interested, if they're not interested, if they want to do it another way. It tells us, do not be discouraged. If someone's not interested, move on to the next person. Um, but ultimately, I feel we're all different and we're going to carry the message differently. I'm very black and white. Someone who's looking for a shoulder to cry is not even going to ask me because I don't I do not do that. Um, but I always ask that question, can I be useful to this person? And that usually leads me to the answer. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Amy B., you're up. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks for your service. Um, Amy B, compulsive overeater, living uh, very gratefully in a recovered state for today, one day at a time. Thanks everybody for being here, the service of showing up. Um, and thank you, Kim. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for talking about the spiritual experience. Um, thanks for this solid message on um, so much stuff that comes right out of this book. One of the things that I was talking about, um, uh, and you talked about how much humility there is in admitting that it is not always um, in these grand gestures, these spiritual experiences. And I was talking to a friend, a program friend um, the other day, and, you know, she was talking about like recognizing like the guidance. And I, you know, I was like, man, we're such addicts. Like I want the, the, like somebody said, the burning bush, like I want the, 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 and I'm an addict. I crave more than I need. Sometimes it's just a soft click as opposed to like a bright firework light. And I have to remember that it's, you know, that's the, that's the educational variety. Sometimes it just comes slowly. It's not so big and I'm an addict. So I'm looking for these huge things. So um, I love that. And then um, the definition in the front, in that first paragraph, the definition of spiritual experience being a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism. And I was uh, looking at that sort of anew as you were talking. Um, it's not a personality change su sufficient to get me to put down the food. That's like a different thing. Um, the The personality change is what is what gets helps me with the mental twist part because the allergy as you said is just one thing and like the other thing that it talks about whether it's bill or alcoholic number three or anybody else who has a, who has the any one of these bright light experiences or the educational variety they all got abstinent first they were all clean of the substance when this happened and again to something else that you said about um 
you know, if I think that I'm paraphrasing, so forgive me, but like, if I think that's hard, like what was life like being stuck in the food? That was hard. That was hard. Right. Choose your hard, like pick your, pick your difficulty. Like I'll take the one that leads to spiritual enlightenment. The one that leads to like recognizing that every war that I lose is a chance to surrender to something greater than myself. I love this program. I love these considerations that we get to toss around together. And uh, that's a cute dog you got there. Uh, I pass next. <laughs> um, we will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares with this 